I mean, it ended up great and the right guy won. So it just looked, as I said, I was envious. I just thought it looked great fun that back. Those last five sort of hour looked just an amazing place to be. And that's what you play. That's, well, that's why professional golfers are professional golfers to get in that situation and sort of have fun with that. I mean, only one guy can win, which is a shame, but uh, I bet you they all had a good time. Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired Hello and welcome back to another Fire Drill. This is Alan Shipnuck on my left. It's frequent wingman Michael Bamberger. Michael, do you want to say anything? <laughs> to be here. It's been an interesting day. And we got Jeff. Yeah, we have Jeff Ogilvie coming in from uh, Melbourne. Jeff, thanks for doing this. Uh, yeah, yeah, no worries. I am coming in hot from the playoff. I think I still have some of Jim McKay's tears on my sweater. Uh, it was it was emotional. It was memorable. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Jeff, tell us what you thought. You know, the takeaway is Justin Thomas won the second PGA Championship, but the day was a war of attrition. A lot of guys were there until until they weren't. Uh, what's your takeaway from the, this very action-packed final round? Yeah, amazing. I mean, it looked um, we looked destined to have a first-time champion of something. I mean, CBS showed a great graphic at some point. Like, the amount of wins on the leaderboard was Justin Thomas 14 and Rory 20, and no one else had won anything, which was amazing. Um, yeah, crazy day. Fun to watch. I mean, pretty compelling. I mean, it shows you don't need... I mean, we had a show one of the big, the big dogs win in the end, but it shows you don't really need all the big dogs up there to make exciting golf and compelling sort of viewing, you know? Um, sad for me, though. I mean, he played well the whole week. He played well the whole week. and um, Not a fun way to finish. But um, JT, I mean, with about an hour to go, it looked a little ominous that JT, if he just gets in the house here, I mean, that finishes. I mean, there's birdies there, but there's a bit of carnage there as well. So um, well done to him. To be fair, if you actually look at the scoreboard, history is going to see a scoreboard and say 367s, I think he shot this week. I mean, he was probably the best player there. Um, just a bit of a rough Saturday yesterday like everyone had. But yeah, fun to watch in the end. And look, we had a leaderboard full of guys that we didn't think uh, would be up there at the start of the week. And we didn't know who was going to win. It was all that. And then we ended up with two of the, probably the pre-tournament favorites at the end, which sort of came out of nowhere. So hmm. um, fun to watch and a good winner. It's astounding how golf really needs to be played at 72 holes. This is not a live comment with 54 holes. It's just there is something magical, <laughs> magical about getting to the 72nd green of a major championship. Um, and... and no one's more equipped to, to talk about that than you. But it really is, as Alan said, it's a war of attrition. And uh, it's just neat to see the whole thing unfold slowly and get to the finish line, the 72nd hole. If anything, it shows you the, the when you play a course like Southern Hills, I mean, inevitably it throws up a great champion in the end. I mean, it took 72 holes to get us there. But if you look at the list of champions, Justin fits in very nicely along that list. You know what I mean? And for a while there, it was like, wow, we're going to get a different one. But um, yeah, you're right. 100% right. 72 or 75 holes in this case. Um, oh, good point. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> I, I was going to say, this This felt a little bit like Wingfoot in 2006, where so much was happening. A bunch of guys had a chance. Wild swings on the leaderboard. When you're in the middle of a dogfight like that, Jeff, and you're just trying to focus on your game, but you can hear the roars, you can see the numbers changing on the board. Like, How hard is it just to stay in your bubble and play your game and not think ahead to the possible outcomes? Uh, it varies. I think sometimes it's easy when you're really sort of feeling it. I think sometimes it's really difficult. Um, 
I think usually when there's that many people involved, um, I mean, there was even up to probably 30 minutes to go, there's four or five or six guys who could have won that tournament. I think it's a little easier. You just try to do the best you can and you're having a lot of fun because there's a lot of noise. It sounded like it would have been a lot of fun. I was a little envious of how much fun they were having. Um, it's just those great atmospheres, those close greens there, all the noise, good stuff happening. Um, a really sort of balanced crowd for the there wasn't just one outright favorite that they were all cheering for it seemed like they were cheering for everyone which yeah. is kind of always fun i think uh yeah uh i would think in that situation it's relatively easy because it's sort of let's just get in and see what happens if it's just a two-horse race i think it gets really difficult um but yeah i mean it ended up great and the right guy won so it just looked as i said i was envious i just thought it looked great fun that back those last five sort of hour looked just an amazing place to be and that's what you play that's well that's why professional golfers and professional golfers to get in that situation and sort of have fun with that i mean only one guy can win which is a shame can win which is a shame but uh i bet you they all had a good time did you have the feeling when the leaders making the turn that uh that that five or six would be so meaningful uh when the scores were lower oh to be honest i actually thought the setup was really cool i thought i mean he gave them every chance on the last Outside of 18, I mean, there was every chance to make birdies coming in, it looked like. I mean, moved some tees up. 13 was reachable. 17 was reachable. Um, and we saw some. We saw a couple of early eagles on 17 and good stuff on 13. I thought it was sort of hang on until you get to the last five or six holes and see if you could get there, see if you could make a few birdies. So I thought maybe um, seven or eight or even nine at some point. I thought someone would sort of fly home, one of those top three or four. But because Mito came back and, and Will didn't sort of, make too many birdie they just sort of they came back to the field and gave everyone a chance you know um but that that that's it had the sort of augusta feel about it didn't it you could have come from behind or you could sort of you could have sort of stepped it up and gone ahead and sort of buried everyone so um great course well set up i thought mm-hmm. i i love a a back-breaking 72nd hole <laughs> there's just something so macho about it and I mean, so much happened there. Zalatoris, who probably has the most scrutinized putting stroke in golf, guts an absolute must make. Um, Justin hits a great shot, but can't make the putt. It looks for a minute like that might cost him the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Mito, who, um, you know, that was hard to watch, but uh, still, that it, it had to happen on the last hole. Like, I don't. It's just incredible that it just always comes down to the end. And what an incredible stage! Too. I don't know how well it plays on TV, but. Yeah. Just that hillside of people. It was one of the best amphitheaters I've ever seen in golf. And it was it was neat to be out there. Jeff, have you uh, ever hit a, a cold shank in a uh, uh, PGA Tour event, major championship event, uh, as Justin Thomas did today? Um, I've never hit a shank in a major. I did hit a shank at um, Castle Pines one year on the 18th hole, straight over the top of the crowd. The people in the right gallery just moved their head. They just looked <laughs> over their head and it disappeared. Over the thing, so that was a fairly embarrassing one on the 18th fairway while I was playing quite well. A um, couple of others, probably three or four shanks in my time. Um, what, 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 what inev- ca- it's inevitably you're going to hit one. What causes it? You know, in Justin Thomas' case, the hosel. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's good. That's a good technical explanation for those who don't know the term shank. Um, but why do you think a, a player of Justin Thomas's caliber would suddenly hit a shank in that particular situation? I mean, it happens. I mean, some guys, I mean, Webb hits a lot of them and it's, it's usually someone who's way inside, like mm-hmm. an inside sort of path. Okay. Um, and maybe, I don't know. I mean, golf's a strange game. Your body moves in mysterious ways. Sometimes it doesn't always do what you want. And every now and then you hit one. I mean, we all hit them. Um, 
I think if you've got cereal shanks, I think you need to go to a coach and get a pro to sort of sort you out. But I don't think Justin's the cereal shanker. I think that he'll probably be the first, the only one he hits for a few years. Um, mm. It's just one of those things. I've I've never really had them. I mean, I've hit a few, um, but I've never really had them, so I don't really know what happens. But I think it's guys who are way inside on the way down, and they just get a little bit too inside and just get a little bit wrong. I mean, it's very close to a good shot. Mm. I mean, it's it's less close to a good shot in the old days when I was a kid when we had the big long hosels on the irons all the weight was on the ins on the on the heel side of the club so the sweet spot was very close i mean you get the close to the heel you get all that you see all the hogan's old clubs with the with the wear mark really really close to the hosel right. um it's a little bit more in the middle now like with perimeter weighted and they've balanced clubs out a little bit and the science is a little bit better in them so the the, the sweet spot is in the middle of the iron so it happens less i think now but it isn't a is it isn't an awful shot i mean Missing the ball, missing the club on the other side, missing the ball completely would be a far bigger sin, you know what I mean? But it's almost just as embarrassing to hit a shank. <laughs> Justin Thomas, you know, what's, what's so fascinating is he was saying in his comments all week, I don't feel great over the ball. Like, I don't feel good over the ball. But when I when I let go of that and I just try and play shots and hit shots, then it, uh, it uh, it's working. And I guess it's that feel versus real thing. But to me, what makes him such an exciting player is he's a throwback, right? Like, he was talking about he, he used to hit it straight and and he played it he was paired with Tiger and he asked Tiger when well, their first time ever paired together he said what do you see and Tiger's like you don't curve it enough he's like oh I better start curving it and now he's gone to like the illogical extreme like he's curving everything like Bubba and then, but that's probably overkill at the Phoenix Open but you come to a place like this I mean how big is an advantage is it Jeff when when you can really work the ball into the slopes and against the wind and like what does that do for a guy like Justin to separate himself from other guys who are maybe just more monotonous ball strikers. Yeah, I mean, a lot. I think firstly, I mean, they kind of go together. You're two, there was kind of two parts to that question. Um, the amount of people that tour guys who have won tournaments where they felt like they couldn't hit it at all on Thursdays more than the other way around. Um, <laughs> you very often hear a guy say, I couldn't even hit it on Thursday morning. I was just trying to get out of the way and not be embarrassing. And they win the tournament. And JT obviously said he didn't feel very good over the ball. He just sort of just tried to sort of get his way around there. Um, and that is, it gets you into shot and it gets you out of swing. When you really feel perfect and you've been doing all this perfect preparation, you've got all your drills and you've got your swing feeling like you want it. You just seem to focus on swing a little bit, I think sometimes. And you've got everything to lose. You've already given yourself a good ball striking week. So you've got everything to lose. Whereas when you start the week and you're not feeling very good over the ball, I think you sort of, your expectations go away and you just, you just revert back to instinct and just try to find a way to get around there. And I think the way he plays now lets him do that because that's really what shaping does for you is it gets your head out of golf swing and it gets your head into golf shot. Um, and we all work better when we when we try to hit shots as opposed to put hits put swings on it. Um, evidenced by that shot he hit up the last was just an incredibly cool-looking shot. I mean, the shot tracer, I think, gets a bit tedious for me. I just kind of get frustrated with watching it all the time. But the one on the last was really, really cool um, and showed everybody that, there's more than just sort of teeing it up high and trying to launch it really high and low spin and these track band sort of things that everyone tries to do. JT is actually out there playing golf um, like Tiger did, like Hogan did, like, and it's just fun to watch. The shot's amazing because, you know, it elevated, elevated green and downwind and got it to stop. Uh, it takes so much skill. I mean, I think people can't even really understand it. You, you can understand it. If you're really close to the game, you can understand it, but most people it just looks like a good shot, but it's, it's so much more than that. Um, uh, McKay, Jim McKay Bones uh, worked uh, for for an elite golfer like Justin Thomas, Phil Mickelson, who a personality type could not be more different. Uh, and yet, this relationship, by all 
appearances today seems to be working. I'm wondering what you observe between uh, Mackay and um, and Justin Thomas. Yeah, just how level and peaceful Bones is out there. Um, it would it looked like they were coming in on Thursday, um, just finishing off their round. Oh, he was wow. um, and and very sure of himself. You know, he's not gonna. He knows what he's saying on the last. He, he, he Justin went against it. I think Bones sounded like he wanted to hit driver on the last. Um, sorry, he wanted to hit three wood on the last and. JT's like, no, 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 I want to hit driver. And like Bones didn't sort of put any doubt. He said, he's like, right, right, hit the shot you want to do and all that. Um, just what a guy to have um, on your bag um, down the stretch. Um, yeah, great. Just level-headed, been there before. You probably wouldn't want anyone else on your bag in that situation. I mean, there's a lot of great caddies there, but I mean, how many people have, he's outside of Stevie, he's probably won more majors, I think, of the guys up there um, who are still caddying at the moment. So Incredible, uh, incredible to go having the bag and a massive asset, and they look like they go really well together. JT gets a bit excitable, I think, and finds look very calm and um, sort of sure of what was going on, and doesn't get too excited. And just a perfect guy to have on the bag at that car and in that situation. You know, it was cool. I was right behind the 18th tee box in the playoff. And when, when Justin did hit driver, but he teed it so low. I mean, it was like barely off the grass. It, and he just hit that little bullet and and probably just took enough distance off that he'd run into the creek because he's only about 10 steps short of the right. water. Like, it was neat to be out there. And, like, I haven't right. seen a pro teed up that low in a long time. It was guy cool. knew what he was talking about when he said maybe hit three. Wait. Yeah. Play. But Justin had his own idea, and Justin's the guy who's going to hit the shot. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was cool. That was a cool little moment. Yeah. But that's sort of like what Justin That's quite smart. It's... Yeah, it's very smart. I mean, he would have got that from Tiger. Tiger's teed it lower than anybody I've ever seen do it. And you kind of get rid of the right miss when you tee the ball low, for me, at least for me and I think a lot of pros, because it makes you sort of, you can't get underneath and try to hit it up in the air. And that's when, you, when, when a lot of guys will lose it to the right. So it sort of guarantees that sort of low fadey sort of thing. Um, and it, it sort of, it, to me at least, and it's always seemed to get rid of the right miss. So it was pretty clever. That's cool. I love that. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Southern Hills because it was a, a big talking point early in the week and then, then you start focusing on the players and leaderboard and now we can kind of render a final verdict on Southern Hills. I mean, that, I I thought, of, of course, it was it was a blast. There was some squawking. I understand Terrell Hatton's comments and uh, a few pros thought it almost played too hard. Some of the par threes were really brutal. But this is what we want. I mean, this you should be pushed to the limit. And, and like you said, though, Jeff, they, they did have – some opportunities coming in with, with, with the way the tees were and some of the flags. So what, what's the final verdict on Southern, the, the new, the reborn Southern Hills? Yeah. I mean, I can't speak to sort of, uh, to, I can't get too into that cause I wasn't there and I didn't play the course. Um, but it, watching it from afar, it looked like cool setup. There was variety. Um, at the past race did seem really long outside of 11. Um, and the boys never really love, like three irons into every par three, it can kind of get a bit tedious. And it seems a bit sort of, why would you try to get your length on a golf course on par threes? But I mean, as far as everyone hits it now, I understand why they do it. Um, it, it the, the interest, I think the really cool thing was it was the rough wasn't really part of the tournament. It was more about angles. The bunkers were proper hazards. They weren't really plugging them in. I saw a few plugs, but maybe there was more plugs. I don't know, but it just looked, they all sort of struggled out of bunkers. And I think bunkers should be a little bit like that. I think the great bunker players will work it out by the end of the week. And I think as long as you've got a golf course that the best players have sort of a platform to show why they're the best, um, I think it's great for a major. You know, I mean, it's, I think it's fun to have these sort of birdie fests in normal tour events and just have execution contests and, um, you know, 
whoever sort of makes the most putts and sort of is brave enough with iron shots over water and stuff. I think that's great stuff for a normal tour event sometimes for entertainment. But in a major, I think you want to test as many facets of the game as you can. And I think Southern Hills did from afar like it did that. Um, seemed like they were a bit sort of the, some of the complaints were about the slow greens and sort of didn't cut them on Friday from what I understand. Mm. But that's just common sense. I think you get to these old yeah. venues. There's no reason why we have to play at 14 on the step mid every week. We said this earlier in the week, I think. I mean, obviously, we all love 14 and it's great. Um, but there's no, we will get to the old course here in a month and they'll be at 10 or 11 or 9 or something. Um, and I, you kind of need to. I think you've got to have greens, you've got to have green speeds that match the place and the pitch of the greens. And so you can use all the fun pin positions and you don't just end up on the flat spots. And um, they seem to do that really well. And pros don't like greens slowing down, but I think that's a challenge and you should ask asked all the questions in a major. And I think Southern Hills. From afar, as I said, looked like it, it asked all the questions. With some crazy weather and the wind changed in the middle of the week and yeah. um, really tough week, really tough week weather-wise as well. So um, all in all, look, as I said, it was sort of shaping up to be sort of an odd one when no one who'd even – I mean, most of the guys in the leaderboard hadn't even won a tournament on main tour, yeah. let, alone, um, let alone a major. And then we end up getting JT winning the tournament, the 15th tournament in two majors, which is in pretty rare air now. So um, it threw up a great champion in the end. Do you have an insight into a Will Zalatoris's uh, short putting struggles from time to time? He seems his lag putting stroke looks beautiful, and the short putting stroke to me looks different. But what's your view, Jeff? Uh, I, I don't know. Putting's very personal, and um, obviously everyone wants to talk about it. It's scary when they get that camera low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of his takeaways, some of his takeaways look different. But I mean, you know what? He, I don't know what he ended, but he was leading putting most of the week. Huh. So he obviously can that. putt. Uh-huh. Um, I think he was. Um, yeah. He made some bombs some on. He made like four or five bombs on Thursday, like twenty plus feet. So he's clearly capable of being a great putter. Um, nobody gets everything, you know. He got a little bit extra helping when they were handing out talent on, uh, in the ball striking <laughs> line. But when he got into the putting line, he did. He was. He, he sort of was up the back of the line a little bit. I mean, nobody <laughs> gets everything. I mean, Tiger kind of had everything there for a while, you know. Jack sort of got everything, um, but. It's just one of those games. I mean, that's why it's so great. There are multiple ways to win a tournament. I mean, you can do it with ball striking. You can do it with putting. You can do it with short game. You can do it with your mind. You can do it with all sorts. And sort of Will's got everything, I think, except those short putts. Um, it's, he, it seems inevitable. He, he loves the majors. He clearly putts short putts reasonably well because it's pretty hard to have top fives in majors without holding a few short putts because right. you're left with a lot right. of them. So it's not, it's not like disaster, um, but it's certainly, I think... Um, and he held, what, 17, 18 in regulation. He held two great putts. So he's got the moxie too, right? So um, we'll see. I mean, he'll work it out. He'll keep working on it. And I don't, as I said, that worm, that worm's eye view of his putting stroke scares me a little bit. I don't really want to watch it. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, he, <laughs> yeah. but he's finding a way. He's got a funny putter and a weird grip, and he's just going to find a way to do it. Um, he's certainly going to be around a long time. Anyone who hits it that good is going to be around for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, can I ask this one? Uh, Jeff, of course. If, if, if you were the czar of golf, um, would you have a uniform way of playing playoffs in the four major championships? Do you like the different uh, setups? Uh, what's your view of, of playoffs and, and majors? Um, I mean, I don't mind a bit of variety. I mean, I think the sudden death of the Masters has always seemed to create a pretty compelling situation. I mean, there's something about that cutthroat that sort of cutthroat do it now you know i mean mm-hmm. you wouldn't have had the bubba thing you wouldn't have had the larry myers thing you wouldn't i mean there's so many things in that sudden death thing that are great right um 
But then the, the multiple holes, it it seems to look after the player the, who's playing the best mm-hmm. overall, generally. You know, Tiger and Bob May, you know, JT was probably playing better today than Will was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. And I think it's good. I think variety is good. I mean, like when you go the old course and you go 1, 2, 17, 18, that's always pretty fun too, mm-hmm. you know. Um and at the end of the day, like it's an entertainment product, and if you get three or four more holes, like there's more entertainment, right? And the fans get a bit more to watch, and um, you just get given the task. You get given the task at the start of the week. You, you've you've got to be in front. If you're not in front, you've got to play three more holes. You sort of know the whole time. I think if they're all better than seventy-two, than than eighteen extra holes on Monday, I don't think that's. Um, I don't think that's a great solution. So I think any version that gets it done in the, it, it, with sudden death to three holes, two holes, four holes, I think they all great. I think I think yeah. it's fun to watch every time. Jeff, I'm not challenging you, but I don't think you view it as an entertainment product. I think you view it as an athletic achievement to to play in these events and can try to contend and try to win. Is that fair or un- accurate or inaccurate? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's an athletic event. Um, and as I said, but it's fun. It's fun to like. I don't know. It's like the right player competing is just fun. Whatever the challenge is, all right, you got to beat this guy yeah. over one hole. You got to beat this guy over three holes. You got to beat him over four holes. I think whatever question they hand you on the first tee, it's like, okay, I'll do that. And it's fun and it's challenging, and that's the task set for you. I think I don't think there's a right or wrong. Yeah. I just they're all good. And yeah, it's not an entertainment product for me, um, but it certainly is. We play for money, and people put money up because they like watching us do it, you know? So it's not yeah. because we're like, we're feeding anybody or building any buildings or, you know what I mean? Like we're right. actually just entertainers really at the end of the day. So um, when, when Alan gives whatever me- is the most, sorry, Jeff, whatever's the most balanced competitive thing that entertains at the same time, that's the win, right? Right. Yeah. When Alan gives me three aside, it's not an entertainment product. It's <laughs> no. war. It's, it's a death match. The, um, and and by the way, the three holes in this playoff were absolutely perfect. They were kind of do really or die, were. short par five, drivel par four, and then cool. a super macho finish. Like you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't ask for a better sequence. So that was cool too. Um, well, this has been an absolute delight. Let, yep. Why don't we end with this? Justin Thomas is twenty nine years old. He just won his second major championship. When when he hangs it up on or reaches a senior tour, how many majors will he have won in his career? Give me a number. First thing that jumps in your head. Three would be huge. Three more or three total? Three total. (laughs) I mean, it's so hard. It is. Three would be great. Jeff? Five. I'm going to say four. Five's a huge number. Five's (laughs) monumental. So... Um, he's I mean, already won 15 tournaments. I mean, he's a winner. Like he wins tournaments. Yeah, um, agreed. Yes. There's not a lot of not a lot of current players who have won 15 tournaments. You know, like. And he's totally devoted to golf. He doesn't seem to have any other distractions. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's great. We're gonna give one final shout out. Who are we gonna Who are we gonna thank for the, our, their corporate support, Michael? Well, I think I think you all know it's Part Points. <laughs> you know the two guys. You played with them. I have. Indeed. Great guys. By now, the listeners are tired of hearing about my rounds at Prairie Dunes with the Par Points guys. They were delightful. But Ogilvy hasn't played Prairie. Have you? Have no, you played Prairie? Sure. No, I haven't. Yeah, for I think you said that the other day. No, for I haven't. Sure. That's a shocker. You got to do Southern. It's not somewhere you go very often, you know. But don't you work in the Midwest from time to time? It's not that far from Medina, I time guess. Anyway, we I'll digress. Get there. <laughs> <laughs> what time did you get up this morning to watch? Uh, about five o'clock. Five that's fun. But I'm getting old, so that's kind of almost normal time now. Isn't it? <laughs> that's I, I'm in the same boat. It's so sad when you lose the ability to sleep in. 
Uh, on our later note, we're probably putting the listeners to sleep, so we're going to let them go. But um, it's been a blast podcasting with you, sir. Thank you. And with you as well, Jeff. Um, we'll do this again from the uh, the U.S. Open, which is coming in hot in three weeks. From, yep. from Alan Brooklyn. and I saw McGinley on the way in. That guy knows a lot about golf. He's fantastic, isn't he? He really is good. Yeah. I love him. I yeah. love him. But the unsung hero of golf commentary, I think we all know, is Ogilvy. Yes. This has been a pleasure. It has. A lot of fun. It really Very has. insightful. So thank you for your time, Jeff. Michael, thank, for all, thank, thank you for all your good cheer. Thank First you. big week at the Collective. Yep. You it's brought been, it. It's you came strong. Yep. All we got to do is type, type up one more story each and oh, call it a night. Now I'm sad. All right. This Thanks, is, Jeff. Yeah. This has been fun. So signing off from oh, one good. Good last. Stuff. Yeah, signing off from One Last Fire Drill here at Southern Hills. Alan Shipnuck, Michael Bamberger, Jeff Ogilvy. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back at you uh, in a matter of weeks from the U.S. Open. Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired 